All right, so welcome to episode number 39 of The Space In Between, and today we're going to sit with David Lionheart in a car, <laughs> our first car interview. And I have to say, I was really excited to meet up with David. We He was one of our very first guests uh, back last year in, I think, September or October, and I was really grateful that he wanted to sit down and share what his journey's been like since then. And so we'll meet up with him shortly. And um, before we do, a couple things happening in Nomadland. Right now, I am wrapping up a 200-hour teacher training in Terrytown and gearing up for another one this fall. Mid-September, we'll begin Nomad's 200-hour teacher training and beyond. So you will get the 200 hours of fundamental, the fundamentals of teaching yoga so you can graduate and teach with confidence. And we also have two extra weekends in there that um, take your teaching to the next level. So adding more tools in your toolbox. Uh, I'm really proud of what we have offered for, through Nomad the past handful of years and what we continue to do with um, the Nomad teachers that work with me and, um, and, and the teachers that have graduated and what they have been doing since they've graduated. I am really proud of them and proud that we are already offering this program that is in line with Yoga Alliance's standards. They just raised their standards that won't go into effect, I think, until next year, but we have been at those standards already since since we began. So if you're interested in becoming a teacher and you want to make sure that you're coming to a really solid program, this is a program for you. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. If you're interested, email me at phoebe at nomad, always at ohm.com. And I'd be happy to set up a phone call or maybe even meet with you in person. Uh, yeah, that's happening. And then I will be leading a retreat in Bali, March 2020. So there'll be some yoga. There will be amazing culture. Uh, Polonies are like the nicest people ever. <laughs> so we'll get to hang out with some Balinese and learn all about their culture and food and music and dance. And I will also be offering my Movement 109 and breathwork training, uh, breathwork. So I'm off to the Catskills next week and I'm excited because I'm doing a breathwork training. So I get to get these tools and share with you in Bali, March 2020. So if any of that sounds exciting to you, go over to our Nomad website and find out more. And we have another retreat happening in Belize, November 17th through 22nd with Becca Roberts. So if any of that sounds amazing to you, you should de definitely come join us at nomadalwaysathome.com. And now let's join David. All right, so I'm here with again David, and we had you on back in September, I think, is when we first sat down and we talked. Yes. And today we're doing an interesting interview. This is my first car interview. We're going to make it very popular. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a new trend for us. Carcast? Yeah, carcast. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting in your new car. It smells like a new car. It's, it's the orange. Yeah. So let's um, catch up first to just what has been going on in your life since we first sat down. Um, a lot's been going on with me personally, and a lot's been going on with me um, as the leader of Play For Your Freedom. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm working on both of those uh, to be a little bit healthier for myself. Okay. 
and I think I'm doing a good job of that. I came to a realization that a lot of the emotions and tasks that I was taking on over the past six years really added up. I realized that as a carpenter, I wasn't prepared for what this social work really involves and how to deal with that, compartmentalizing some of it. And uh, I'm okay because I'm aware that it was weighing on me and I was bringing a lot of it home. And at the same time, the run of the organization takes up a lot of time. It's like a full-time job, basically, and it's not one that I get paid for or anything like that, but I treat it as if it is. Um, so I kind of reached out to my team recently and let them know that I'm done. I hit my ceiling of sorts. And, um, you know, I was talking to Chrissy. She's like, uh, if you ever watch Sons of Anarchy motorcycle show, she is Gemma in that show. Okay. She's like, you know, for a raw term, she's like the den mother of Play for Your Freedom. <laughs> and uh, I often turn to her um, for some of my peer support that I need. And she's like, of course, you idiot. Like, you do too much. Like, we've wanted, of course I want to help. Because I said, look, I need help. Like, I need you and Jeff and Mike to take over Play for Your Freedom operations in the Hudson Valley as if I'm not going to be there. And, um, because we have a lot of projects on the forefront that need my attention to expand the programming, if that's the direction that we want to go in. And uh, I called up our New Jersey guy and I said, hey, I'm done. <laughs> I need your help. Same story. Mm -hmm. Like He's like, I'd be honored to take it on and help it grow. So I was holding on to something because I cared about it. But I hit the point that I needed to let go of the dog on the leash that was wanted to run away and in order to let it be free and find out where it wants to go. And um, I'm still going to be nearby, but I have this incredible team of people that really freed me and spiritually and over the next six months um, task-wise that are going to take over a lot of the busy work that's involved in the workshops, the food, the drinks, the printing out the forms, uh, everything down to like running the actual workshop. Um, and that feels really good. And I don't have a single piece of remorse about it, even though everyone is thinking I would, because I trust them and I love them and they've seen it from day one, what my expectations are. And um, leading by example has paid off because as soon as I let go, they just picked it right back up and know exactly where it needs to go. And um, I think we can help more people this way because we'll be able to expand our outreach and start sharing our story with other veterans that might be able to benefit from this programming. And without me holding on to something just because I, in somewhere in my mind, think I'm the only one who can make it perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I right? understand being the solo you... I must feel it often, yeah. right? And yeah. you're on some new projects and horizons and recruiting and teaching and educating. And um, I'm discovering that my place is now starting to push me to using my voice. And um, in what and way? 
have a big impact on people when I talk, when I personally talk about what we do, and um, using my voice as a tool to do that, because that's what I think my calling is now become, as I'm being pushed into that space, where okay. I'm, I'm not gathering drinks and doing things on a local okay. level where other people are like, hey, I would love to do that. Yeah. Like, I can definitely do that and I want to help and I and can do that. And you were able to use your voice because you were doing all those little menial tasks. I was doing both. Yeah. And that's what yeah. weighed on me also. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's just a realization and an awareness that I've had to come across and um, I'm pursuing a documentary um, we're shooting tomorrow we start. Oh, cool. Uh, talking about PTSD and what we're doing to help people deal with that, mm -hmm. creating a space that's safe for them to figure it out. We just, everybody needs time to figure that out. Um, I didn't know what it was and I think I had it. <laughs> how does somebody, how do you expect somebody to know what it is if they're not told or taught yeah. or educated yeah. on what it is and you know like people mispronounce it people misunderstand it mm -hmm. and the people who are suffering from it I think are trapped in it until they realize that there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel yeah. and that it is possible to be happy and healthy yeah. and um, I think that the push for this video which I didn't want to do it made me <laughs> sick to my stomach actually to okay. think about it because um, you're asking people to reach that vulnerability place and um, I really struggled with it and I asked my den mother you know like are we doing the right thing with this and she's like yeah and I've consulted with people and family and um, despite my fear uh, of it I think it's imperative that we do it okay. and uh, we're going to move forward with it and um, we're gonna showcase the life of a few veterans who are gonna share their story of what it was like coming back um, of course we have stories via our team of people that we've lost um, which is the, the ultimately worst part of this process and also one of the major weights that were on my shoulders that I really felt the pain of during this process was losing people along the way. Mm -hmm. And um, some of this unique place where maybe a month ago I was really burnt out and looked, you know, and you can find any reason to quit sometimes doing something. Yeah. Um, but my team has lifted me up, my family has lifted me up. My purpose has lifted me up. You know, I, I need that that same purpose and uh, and place to feel like I'm doing something good. Um, and I think I'm finding it. And people come in your life at different times to help fulfill that and chime in with that. And we had a veteran graduate last week. We call it graduating, but when they leave the hospital, they come back and volunteer. Uh, we had three of them actually, and uh, they got their shirts and they were pumped up and positive. And I woke up to these really great posts on Facebook of their perception of what it was like it was a privilege to put the shirt on to use it as a tool to help other people and yeah. they worked really hard to get to that point where they were okay coming and saying hey that was really bad but it's gonna be okay it's yeah. never gonna go away but i found a way to live with it yeah um and that's kind of like the whirlwind of what is going on in my mind right now okay that's a lot it's a lot <laughs> no, i totally just like yeah uh, it's uh 
It's a lot. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Well, let's. There's so many things I want to, you know, dig into from what you just said. Let's go back to just being sort of the business owner and deciding to reach out and really lean on your your team. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were saying before that it was basically because you had a little bit of a control of you wanted you wanted your hands on everything, and so. what what has that experience been like? Um, really, like being able to let go of it, and um, have you had those moments of oh, "Don't do that" or yeah? What has that looked like for you, and how have you kind of worked through the, that to get to a place of more ease? When we started doing equine therapy at Play for Your Freedom, oh, that's great. I did it. Okay. Just to see what I was yeah. signing people up for. Yeah. And it was supposed to be an hour. And then two and a half hours later, I'm trying to get this silly horse to walk around the arena with me <laughs> who just wants to go eat hay. Yeah. And, and can you, I, I've, 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 I know what it is, but can you explain a little bit more? Sure. Um, might not be I worked with a woman named Christina Bruckner, yeah. um, who's awesome. And uh, she brought me into the stable into the arena rather um you spend a couple moments getting grounded in the sand and then there were two horses in the arena and she asked me to identify which one of those horses represented me pre-trauma and which one of them represented me post-trauma and i had to identify with them and observe them and just watch And then I was asked to go into the arena with them and get the one I associated with me pre-trauma to walk around the arena with me. Mm. And they just wanted the hay. There was hay there. (laughs) So I jumped over the wall and I was trying to hide the hay and I was pulling the tarps over the hay. And I'm like, here, sweet, come on, horse, you know, come with me. And trying to use them and they don't like me and they're like hitting me with their butt and they're both crushing me to get to the hay. (laughs) And uh, I don't ask for help and christina was standing there holding one of the bridles in her hand the whole time just like whenever just stand just standing there and i didn't even realize it and she's like hey just pointing it out you know you have a hard time she's like when you're sweet you're really really sweet but when you're angry you're really really angry because mm-hmm. she saw you go from zero to like hi cute horse and then ah yeah get like, over here she's so right and like you know and then I asked for help with the bridle and then so I got this bridle in my hands and I don't know how to put it on the silly horse it's upside down I'm clipping it the horse is getting mad at me they want to go back to the hay and um I learned about what kind of a husband and a father I was and what kind of a person I was and kind of like a really major realization into what we do to people without even realizing that we're doing it yeah and segue into how do I feel about letting go of the power some of the power of play for your freedom and I feel good about it in that I I'm confident the people who are going to help are going to be okay when they make a mistake it's going to happen I've made mistakes everyone's going to make mistakes and um I don't think anything will be you know unrecoverable of sorts but that's a growth place for me, mm-hmm. and now it's a growth place for them. Now we're we're in two different mm-hmm. relationships now, 
because now they're being held accountable for the actions of the organization on a local level. And I'm accountable because I'm letting the, I'm not letting them leave the nest, but you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting. And part of that excitement is nerves too. Mm -hmm. Um, the first workshop that they run that I'm not at will be interesting to see what I'm feeling and what emotions are going through me. The reason why I had such a big grip on it is because in our line of work, we have three hours to make an impression on somebody. And that's a first impression, and it could be the day that they decide to save their life, or it could be a day that they continue to not feel like they have a place and a purpose. So I'm not justifying the grip I had on this, but I respect the gravity of what it is. It's not just a football game or a basketball game or anything like that. It's really an opportunity to help somebody flick that switch from saying, I'm dependent on this process or this program or this hospital to, I can make some healthy choices for myself and I want to start here by maybe going up and hitting a ball. And then maybe I'll choose the healthy option at dinner Mm -hmm. and not have soda, have some water or something like that. Little Little, tiny victories Mm -hmm. add up to big victories and before you know it, you're smiling and things are going to start going your way. And if they're not going to go your way, you're preparing yourself to deal with it because you're strengthening your temple to weather those storms. Just because you find happiness doesn't mean you're not going to come back in the circle again. It's just part of life. And preparing ourselves to deal with those ups and those downs respectfully um, is what we're trying to get people to focus on. Um, So... I, I go back to that equine experience mm-hmm. with me as the business owner, knowing that I've done everything possible to show and help train and lead by an example of what should happen there. And now, if it's going to happen, it has to happen with them. Yeah. Because I can't do it all and I can't do it everywhere. Yeah. And I think the team wants to see it travel to more people. Yeah. And so now we're assuming that responsibility as a new experience for all of us. That's great. Yeah. I mean, and there is a little bit of this ego, uh, if you just keep holding on, of thinking you're the only person who can actually impact these people, right? But they've been with you. It sounds like your team has been with you for a while now. Yeah, almost four years. So, yeah, and they they know exactly what they're doing, and they can bring their own authentic selves Mm -hmm. and make their own impact. And it's time for a new story, and you know, when you put up new art on the walls, it's really nice to see new things in your life, and not that people are sick of me, but you know, like... No, but it's good to have a new perspective. Hey, you never know whose life you're going to touch because of variety. I might not be for everybody, the team, you know, you never know who you're going to come across and find that someone's going to relate to, and, um... And it's going to be a great opportunity for everybody and for the organization. That's great. And so um, staying with the business side of things, um, where is this going now for you? Where do you envision this next next phase? Yeah, so with forming these two chapters and empowering our team to really start taking control, I'm going to focus on developing basically three new programs from scratch. 
as if we were starting on day one. Okay. Um, and that's Long Island, Syracuse, and Philadelphia. Okay. So I'm going to push out into some of this space that's uncharted territory. Yeah. As I'm finding out over these years, we're one of the few consistently run adaptive sports programs in the area of this part of New York and New Jersey. There's a lot going on, um, but we operate every 30 days all year round. Okay. So that's what makes us unique. So yeah. there are some events that happen once or twice a year, mm -hmm. um, but what we look for is establishing accountability mm -hmm. and repetition. Mm -hmm. And so if a veteran is in the hospital for 45 days and we're there every 30, there's a chance we can see them twice. Yeah. And you know it's the more times you're with someone and yeah. can help influence them and learn from them that we can better serve them. Yeah. And they also see that we're sticking to our end of the deal and showing back up again. Yeah. So it's a two-part relationship of expectation from one another. Um, so I think, although we don't know what growth and development looks like for us on the long term, I think over the next three years, I would like to see the locations that were kind of satellite performing at start getting that following and start getting, as the veterans move through the program, after a year or two, we hope to organically obtain those volunteers, in addition to the community being able to hear about us now. Now people are listening. After four years of this work and this vision, people are we're starting to catch the ear, like, wait a second, that's really cool. Like, hey, I know somebody who can benefit from that. And um, the thing is kind of capturing people's blessings and talents and letting them do what is best for them to help somebody else. It's got nothing to do with what I want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, a young man that works in our organization, he just moved to Florida, and he likes to tinker around on race cars, and he's mechanically inclined. And he's talking about him and his other buddy, also a veteran, opening up the shop on Sundays and allowing vets to come and hang out and tinker around, cup of coffee, mm -hmm. and then maybe eventually graduate to coming out on race day. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Great. That I couldn't do. I can't change my own oil. Yeah. Like I got, no, I have no place there, yeah. but that's their blessing and their talent and their way of giving. Yeah. And, uh, I spoke on a mental health panel in Philadelphia last Wednesday and the woman who went before me, equine mm -hmm. specialist, amazing. Yeah. Like she had her crap together and facilities, staff, statistics, the PowerPoint, everything mm -hmm. like I'm like, I roll like a nomad, you know, so like the first thing I did when I went up there, I was like, she's got her stuff together, everybody, yeah. like second round of applause for her. Yeah. I was like, we're not there yet, but I really respect that. And I recognize what goes into that mm -hmm. to getting that. We just got our first office at the armory a month yeah, and a half I ago. Saw that. Yeah. Super cool. So, you know, like for me, anybody else would look at our little space mm -hmm. and be like, oh, that's a bummer compared to that. Yeah. But, the same turn, somebody who's in line behind us working towards that little rinky-dinky office yeah. is thinking, oh man, I really want that kind of situation. So I left everybody at the conference with, no matter how small of a task it is you think that you can do for someone, do it. You can't yeah. be intimidated by what somebody else is doing or has accomplished or yeah. has worked towards, because you never know where it's going to go. You know, we say a lot happens over a bottle of water at our workshops. Yeah. And something as simple as offering someone a cup of water Absolutely. sparks. Yeah. And before you know it, it's harvest. And you're like, hey, I'm really good at this. Like, this is cool. I can, I like listening to someone. And that person really benefited from those couple yeah. minutes of conversation. Um, so no matter how small it is that you think it is, if you're helping somebody in a positive, sober light, then that's 
that's more than most people do. <laughs> yeah. There's a tier behind yeah. that of people who are oblivious and don't want to help and are self-centered and focused. And that's not bad either. Everyone yeah. goes through that and has been there before. I was there, you know. I've always thought I was trying to help people by going into a bar and buying a round of drinks for everybody, <laughs> right? Because you're like, right. oh, they're going to like me. Like, this yeah. is awesome. College, visa, credit card, $300 yeah. limit. <laughs> Boom, gone, right? Yeah. And so it's uh, at this point in my life, it's realizing that it's the fundamental tasks of really genuinely caring about someone's well-being and interests beyond yeah. our own that are been the foundation of what we're doing. Yeah. And so maintaining that is going to be how we start these other programs is getting back to the root. You know, we yeah. never want to grow bigger than the quality experience that can be delivered to somebody at our workshops. Yeah, and I mean, no disrespect to the woman who spoke before you, but, you know, a PowerPoint is not going to do what what you're doing right and that's what is the most important thing yes you can have the powerpoint um presentations to get the money to help fund but what you're doing is really ground you know grassroots on the ground looking at everybody in the eye mm -hmm. and making really making that impact so i think that's the most important thing and then all those other little things like the big fancy office <laughs> and the presentations that's great too but what you're doing already is making such a big impact. And that's why you have grown so much in such a short amount of time. I know it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> and we've just grown as people, too. Yeah. Like, now we understand yeah. a little bit different. Like you said, like, for us, nobody's paid. Like, when we hug and shake hands with all these people getting off the buses, mm -hmm. that's it. Like, yeah, that's what it's it feels about. really good. Yeah. And it's really healing. Like, we output a lot of energy to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you have somebody who's having a bad day, you absorb 100% of their negativity, yeah. which eats up 100% of your positivity, and you have to find out another 100% to put back to them. Yeah. So you're, we're filters, basically, for any mood or atmosphere that's been created, and sometimes it goes south, and you have yeah. to figure out how to get out of it and get everybody back on track. Um, and sometimes the love is so strong in the room, there's an abundance, and that's because we need it too, mm -hmm. um, to help refuel ourselves and keep moving uh, yeah. into that space. And um, it really helps when people reach out and say things, even though they don't have to. Uh, I had a veteran text me last night, and just out of the blue, and he's like, hey, I was in my uh, PTSD group at the hospital, um, and I was talking about you, and even though you didn't serve with us, I was telling them that you are one of us mm -hmm. and I never associate myself with that like it's really easy to fall into it I mean I hear the lingo and the slang and I see the way everybody like it's really cool I, I like satelliting as an observer to this mm -hmm. culture yeah. um, because unless you wear the cloth you are not in that culture or unless your family directly serve you know yeah. so people know you come from a, a service family you know right didn't your father serve? My father but I wasn't really immersed in the culture of it yeah. You still served, yeah. though. Yeah. You did. You know, so that, that, the realization that when you start investing in a group of people who really appreciate what you're doing for them, yeah. I wasn't associating with myself as being part of them. And now I looked back after four years, after six years of this project, and realized before you know it, no matter what we look like as animals, if we're on the same journey and living in the same place, yeah. like we become the same almost. Yeah. Well, we, all, <laughs> you know? we all are the same. Right? I think that there is something to that, you know, because 
I don't identify myself as part of the military community or culture, but they've been just calling to me and I feel connected to them. And we are like doing really great things with Tribe. Um, but I, what I realized was that there is a sort of a separation there. Um, that that's that's it's an illusion right because we are just same so i did a training with veterans yoga project and we had a, a bit of time at the end of the training that weekend of you know okay now let's let's let the civilians say whatever they want to the veterans and the veterans you know say whatever to just be mindful of mm -hmm. when you're going into these teaching experiences and it was just so interesting to hear both sides of it and thinking i don't ever think like that like i'm you and you are I think that's one of the things that makes both of us a little bit more on the successful side is that we never come to that of saying, oh, thank you for serving and da, 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 you know, turning it into this separation. You just went right in and just like any, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and with such respect, but also not just treating them like they're separate and different and um, up here or down here, whatever it is, you know. Um, so I think that is. What, one of the keys for for myself and I think for you too just yeah. seeing what you've you've done and I've noticed in exactly what you just said everything you said 100% on and uh, we try and push a culture of instead of saying thank you for your service say how are you mm -hmm. how yeah. are you doing today yeah and I open up with right away I did not serve yeah. you know and my respect for them on the military level is utmost top yeah. notch um, but I'm just a regular dude like yeah. so like that's how I associate with you as people now you know and like we can figure that out you know because yeah. it's that that's where they have to be kind of at least integrated into where they're respected for their service um, but can also take advantage of the wonderful things that are in their communities and mm -hmm. uh, and in this country um, that they fought for and uh, and I think you're right on about that kind of that openness from you know civilians and veterans yeah. and coming together in that one space yeah. um it's just i see you i see you for who you are yeah and it's not a label and it's also gratifying for the veteran community i believe to receive help from civilians because they don't expect civilians to care about yeah. them yeah. and my friend raul uh when we were younger he served he's still serving in the marines he made this really interesting comment to me he's like i I went to war for people like you mm. and mm. when these men and women sign up for this job it feels really good for them to accomplish that job just to be like you know what I did this for you yeah. I don't want anything in return yeah. you know but I did this for you and that's why I did it because it makes me feel good some people did it for that reason some people might have went into the military for a job for money yeah. like yeah. who knows like go to jail go to the military kind of thing yeah. who knows you know it's a very complex <laughs> yeah. very just complex like, world just like any other just like anything choice. else yeah. yeah so um, I think that it feels really good for a lot of the people that I've met to say hey you know what that's why I went to war when the love is reciprocated thank yeah. you for taking care of us now that we've gotten home yeah. you know because we didn't mind taking care of you while we were away yeah. and if everybody chipped in a little bit just kind of helping each other and again this comes back to everybody's talents and blessings we would the world would be a better place Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and 
not everybody might relate to the veteran or military community, but those who can and do and eventually figure it out, um, I know it feels good for the men and women um, who serve to feel that love. Yeah. And so to kind of change the subject, but not really, Yeah. Um, you were saying about, and you said this a couple of times, about getting filled up because... It, there's there's so much right you want to give so much but there are good days and there are bad days and you feel depleted and then you feel overabundant now, what are some of your own self-care tools to fill you back up and so and you also mentioned that something about taking it home with you what is yeah shifted or what are you working <clears throat> through now so that you don't carry that home? my son is four okay and I'm celebrating my 10-year anniversary with my wife this month. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And he's... He only knows me as doing this since he's been alive. We've been doing it for six years almost. And... When I come home, I have a lot of people that I like to make myself available to, to help, whether it's a text or a phone call or if someone's having a bad day. I'm finding myself in this position where people are relating to use me as a tool to get through that day mm -hmm. and I want that I I signed up for it that's I'm there I wasn't managing it properly mm. and after you come home from that yeah. my son daddy 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 I want to play I don't feel like playing right now yeah. like I can't get deal with that my wife hey you know like I wasn't giving her the love that I could give her I wasn't fun anymore. Like, I just stopped. I'm, I'm not fun. Like, <laughs> we talked about to, that the last time. Yeah, I'm like, so I, we talked about yeah. it, but I wasn't doing anything yeah. about it. Yeah. And, you know, like, so now I'm at a space where I, as I'm shifting power to some of my people, mm -hmm. I'm freeing up a little bit more room to help the people that I know. I know I need to have at least room for X amount of people I need to mm -hmm. be on call for and to help easy but now I'm freeing some of that space up mm -hmm. for other people to take on some tasks so that I can be a dad too and like yeah. I want him to be innocent and not see me so uptight and serious and sometimes he doesn't laugh a lot mm. and I think that because he sees me mm. and I don't want that yeah. like I lost my innocence and and I'm okay with that, but I need to be mindful of it and to have fun. Like, we were dancing last night. You know, Roman and I were dancing. He loves his Justin Timberlake song, and it's, like, from the movie Trolls or something. And it's, like, uh, and it just felt good to see him do that. And I was laughing at myself doing it with him. And I think that I'm trying to unload some of this burden that's been taken on because... I know I'm strong enough to deal with it, but not if I don't manage it properly. Yeah. Um, I want to exercise a little bit more and create that space for myself. Um, I don't know if I told you last time I see two women who help me heal. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an acupuncturist and then a massage therapist. And uh, I've kind of slowly talked them into... Oh, you know her. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Yeah, yeah. I've slowly talked them into uh you know they're really good about listening so i talk and for some reason they really hit 
with me, and I don't talk to anybody, mm-hmm. with the exception of you. I've had, you know... <laughs> and whoever you, else. And whoever else is listening now. That's where we are at in life. <laughs> but, uh, but these two women um, have made uh, an incredible impact on me um, emotionally, and then um, with the physical work that they're doing. So being mindful of it, I've always been the, I don't need to go to a doctor, and I don't need to go to a hospital kind yeah. of person. Like, how ignorant is that? And that's yeah. the same thing I'm trying to combat with these other stubborn people in my space who well, are your mirror <laughs> who don't realize that it's okay to it's okay to ask for help yeah and maybe that's it yeah maybe my road to healing is just asking for help mm. and mm-hmm. and being okay with it knowing that i can receive that help and put it out in another way to help somebody else yeah that's great so it's it's a work in process as we all are life yeah uh the other thing i wanted to you, we way back when we first started talking was talking about this idea of PTSD mm-hmm. and how you realized that you were also um, deal with trauma, and we talked a bit about that in our last podcast. But that was something too that I've also been working through this past year too of identifying. You know, what is this idea of you know this thing called PTSD? And there was such a stigma about it. I think because you're about the same age as me and. It's, you know, it's a relatively new term. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience with it, with it was my father was just a nut, nutcase. Like, we didn't understand why he was absolutely insane when I was a child. And then later in life, we figured out, oh, he has this thing called PTSD. And then what I came to realize is that I have trauma from, from his, his episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And so... What you said, too, is what I've been sort of connecting the dots, too, of just having this idea of what it looks like, and I only had one perception of it, was his, and then anybody else who had that word or that, you know, that label um, of trauma labeled to them, I assumed that this is what it was going to look like, and and then realizing, oh, I have it, too, and so I'm just curious as to what that has been kind of for you, as you if you don't mind unpacking that a little bit. Yeah, and I'm going to unpack it in two ways. One, last time we talked about some topics discussed during the TED Talk mm-hmm. um, from my childhood. Yeah. And I kind of packed, speaking of packing up, I packed them away and never addressed it. Yeah. And didn't, maybe not know how to address it, even though I had an amazing support system in my mother, um, you know, and within my family. But I thought if I approached those things it would be a sign of weakness for me mm-hmm. and I also identified with being the man of my family mm-hmm. and if something was wrong with me then I I can't lead you yeah. and I can't be you know as this as, you know my mom my father left when we were young and uh that's just my mentality and like mm-hmm. my wife now she asks me a question she's like hey did you get to put the pool filter on no, I didn't because I was mowing the lawn and I was taking the things out. Of course, I didn't have time for the, you know. So that was like that's like yeah. a, it's very defensive, right? Yeah. And I was not letting anybody in and not letting anything out. Right. And that was a big problem. And once I figured that out, I was trying to unload childhood stuff. At the same time, I was being present, being present, but also being loaded on with this new thing in this job, mm-hmm. and. One of the, this uh, marine uh, sniper was teasing me. We were lifting, lifting weights, and he's like, "Hey," I told him I was having a bad morning. He's like, "Yeah, of course." He's like, "You got PTSD too. Think of all the problems that we dump on you." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Whoa, mm. 
Wow. So I'm, I felt like two things were happening in the past couple of years. One, being vulnerable and comfortable enough to, okay, I have a problem I have to really address here. And at the same time, trying to help a group of people who were going through some problems of their own. And I was really, that weighs heavy on me. And I think while it helps me be receptive to people, I'm also a magnet for that stuff. And I have a hard time unsticking it. So it's trying to filter all of these things at the same time that uh, has become a very difficult task Mm -hmm. and which also ties into my new trying to get healthy and trying to unload a couple things on some other people and um, so that I can deal with it without completely walking away from my job because I've been shown what I need to do and um, and it's my job to figure out how to do it and uh, that might be what saves me. That's great. Yeah. Just hearing you, I'm hearing a lot of what I've experienced to the past few years of just, you know, um, six years ago when I went through all of my unpacking of my personal stuff of um, after my father passed and then all of a sudden I dove into starting Nomad and yeah. It's the same just, thing. Yeah. here And I was already on that route, you know, teaching yoga, so it wasn't like completely out of the blue, but it's it's been challenging to make sure that your cup is full right for yourself because you are unpacking all this stuff but then also to have you know a full cup for other people <laughs> and it's not easy filling yeah. both cups and yeah. my healers often you're kind of like they tell this. me they're like she's like your chi is terrible right now like mm-hmm. you, there is nothing here like it's yeah. so drained and i'm just like well it's your job to help me get it full like please yeah. help me <laughs> yeah. um and uh but that's part of the journey and yeah. at the same turn somebody shouldn't overdo it like I have to also recognize when it's too much mm-hmm. and um, stop or walk away and be mindful of that like it's foolish to say I'm gonna go down to the grave until this thing is complete kind of yeah. thing it's time out you'll, you know, you'll be in the grave yeah. <laughs> I did a self-diagram recently okay. and I wrote down who I am okay. in every regard to everybody oh a friend, a designer, the founder of Play for Your Freedom, an yeah. artist, a carpenter, all of these things. And I wrote this huge board and then I wrote down, where are they in my priority list of things? Mm. Um, the young lady at the cafe here, as soon as I walked in, she's like, oh, hey, you still making wine? I used to identify with that and <laughs> it, it's a pain in the butt to do it and it takes so much work, but I was doing it because I felt like that's what people wanted to identify with me with Mm. and associate with me and while it was a passion at first it became a burden afterward and I was still holding on to it and going deeper and deeper into it and the equipment and the farm and all this stuff and why do we do that to ourselves like that's on my board that got crossed off my board I'm selling everything like I don't need that in my life right now and like unpacking some of those things is really helping me too because now that's not even an option and my energy when it comes time to something hopefully it gets back to me in a healthy way instead of trying to do something of what people expect you to do and want you to do because it's cool to talk about or you know like oh my god yeah it's great i can buy a glass of wine now you know and i don't have to go out on the farm and do it you know like so it comes back to that control thing right See ya. Like, I will make the wine. I will do everything. No, <laughs> yeah, you can't. No, and, buy the, that's why we can buy a bottle of wine. Uh, so, um, 
writing that down yeah. and writing who I am, I'd be curious to see your vision board. Oh, I think I'm going to do one now. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> the other people listening, so what did that look like? You just literally had a big... I drew a circle. I have a six-foot-long and four-foot-tall dry okay. erase board. Okay. And I just drew a circle that said David okay. on it. And then I started making spokes on this okay. wheel. So they're coming out of the circle. Father, husband, okay. friend. And within winemaker. those labels. Crossed off. And then within those labels, there was something else mm-hmm. that you were writing? Of- so attached to each of those was, is it helping me or hurting me? Okay. And then sub-branch off of that, pros and cons, time consumption, mm-hmm. financial consumption. Yeah. Everybody listening might have five or six different subscriptions to Hulu and Netflix and Pandora and Amazon. <laughs> My God, you stop and look at the bill for a second. You're like, what am I doing? I'm spending all this money, like doing yeah, all this stuff. And like, what do I really down. need? Yeah. I need some music. So let me yeah. go back to basics and get yeah. back. So really kind of, I'm trying to get back to basics That's of great. who I was and yeah. who I want to be. And I want a few less of those spokes on there while it's wonderful to do many things and I'm very blessed and talented to be physically and mentally able to handle some of those Mm -hmm. things. It doesn't make it right to do it. Yeah. And uh, I believe in trying something and experimenting and there's a learning curve to that, but they have to be done wisely and responsibly yeah. and not at the cost of my son's time or my wife's time or my time. and, And with joy. And with joy, like, yeah. that's the thing, the wine, gone, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I don't want to do that not anymore. Me joy anymore. The birds ate all the grapes, oh you know, like, after all that whole year of farming, like, the birds ate all the grapes. I was like, I don't know, I'm going to buy so grape funny. nets, you know, cost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's, that's been part of my reflection is literally writing down who you are. Okay. And, uh, and it's a really great exercise if anybody does it. Yeah. And, um, and a good learning experience, too. And you know what? Add some things on there that you want to do also. Make room for them. Yeah. Put a couple of your goals and your dreams on there and be like, hey, what do I want to do yeah. coming up? And you'll realize, I want to do that more than that. And that's gone now. Yeah. And then free yourself from it. Um, so, yeah. That's, I love that. I will definitely use that tool and try it. It's funny, I did it uh, in a different way. I didn't have an actual whiteboard well actually I did have a whiteboard a whiteboard was involved <laughs> but last year you know after the TEDx mm-hmm. um, I think I might have talked to you about this on the last podcast of just how I came back to my roots of dancing and yeah. how I was going back to that place and feeling that it was missing I hadn't I, that wasn't even on my board right in a way and so I needed to make space for it so I have this past year of kind of decluttering some things, you know, things that were great, like we used to do the summer solstice down here in the summer series, um, which I love, but there are other people in the community doing other things that were similar, and I thought, it doesn't have to be under Nomad, Mm -hmm. right? Just let it continue on in a different way, so that I can fill my cup up with moving and also talking to people on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and so... um, but I think that's something that we could always come back to is look at that whiteboard, like the circle that you... I love you your promotion of your movement classes. Is yeah. that one of the, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So cool. And Thank how's it going? You. Oh, I love it. Cool. It's filling my cup up again. You look so happy and... Uh, Thank you. I love what you're putting together. You're putting this really great comprehensive portfolio of freedom, 
of movement, of uh, education, travel. Like, you've got these really great things that should be very appealing to people who want to um, get on track or stay on track yeah. and get in touch with you and with that curriculum that um, that can really help them. And uh, so I'm proud of you for what Thank you've been you. doing. It's really yeah. cool. Thanks. Yeah. It just, it, it felt, I felt after that TEDx, and we talked a little bit about this too, of how things just completely shifted. And it did, I felt a bit empty after that. And I always used to feel like this after a dance performance, whenever I was, you know, um, working on, especially like a play, a musical, you, you would work for one specific thing mm -hmm. for months and months and months. And then afterwards, you'd have this bit of a void. And we didn't have that big of a process for TEDx, but it was huge, you know. And I had and emotionally a, draining. Yeah, it was emotionally draining. And there was a little bit of a void. And I thought, okay, I need to fill this up again. And what I had realized was that I was doing this movement on my own, right? The, there's a whole floor sequence that I haven't really shown on social media because it just doesn't quite translate mm -hmm. well. But there's a whole sequence and it's all healing. It's all going into the body and looking at your patterns that you hold in your body. And, and then, okay, how can we move that energy out? Or how can we ground it down and manifest something new? And so that's where the dancing part comes into it. Cool. Uh, and so I thought, well, I need to share this with everybody. So that's what I'm the just, world. Yeah, I'm experiencing. I'm exploring that and just letting it be what it is, and not really. I think we're aligned in this way of controlling things. Like I'm not trying to control it. I don't know what it's gonna be, and um, but it's clear what it is, and just letting it morph into what it needs to be. And to realize that people might not latch onto it right away, or people might, yeah. and then they might fall off. And I've had yeah. that a couple times. There's been some veterans recently who. Um, stopped coming around, who I've fallen out of touch with, uh, and I'm a little sad about that, mm -hmm. and um, I hope that they're okay with whatever is going on with them, yeah. but at first it hurt me, and I was like, oh man, like, am I doing something wrong, like, are they mm -hmm. mad at me, like, what did I do, and I kind of quickly got back on my feet and was like, you know what, gotta stay the course, yeah. and this just has to keep on going, and we'll figure it out as we move along, like, and hopefully they figure it out. Uh, but you have to just keep persistent and pushing when you feel it in your yeah. gut that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and, and I commend joy. you for that. Thank you. Yeah. That is my mantra this year is move joy. So anything, like, on that whiteboard that you were looking at, there's joy, do it. It's worth it. Absolutely. Sort of what I looked at it. Oh, but I'm curious to know um, about your second year with TEDx and what it, yeah, tell me, we sort of talked about that through text. But cool. Do you want to share your experience? I do. Yeah. And uh, my life also flipped upside down after last year's TEDx. Yeah. And I felt the same thing you did afterward. First, I was like, oh, F. Like, <laughs> the whole world has access to all this stuff yeah. that I don't, yeah. didn't think I wanted that or don't know what that really means. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like jumping in a shark tank. And then you're like, oh, that sounds like really cool. And then like, you get in and it and you're like, holy crap, the there's sharks in here. <laughs> um, so this year, I was able to coach. And I coached two speakers. And um, I'm so proud of them. I wanted to share my experience with them mm -hmm. without tainting who they are. Mm -hmm. 
So a lot of the stuff that I focused on, like right out of the gate, I'm like, your mouth's going to feel like a cat litter box. It's going to be so dry. <laughs> like, don't drink water during practice, like while you're reciting at home, because it's not going to happen on stage. Like, don't do it. It's terrible. Uh, like, the lights are going to blind you, you know? So I offered some of these fundamentals so that they mentally were prepared when I go into it. Like, oh, okay, that's, I'm expecting that. Like, I, I get that that's going to happen. And, uh... And then I just shared some of my thoughts of what my views on they on them performing. You know when it's you, you write down everything. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be really careful with what we were editing. Because you know you only have a couple minutes to make an impression on the world. Yeah. And I also wanted to emphasize, like, this isn't just for the night. Yeah. You know now, yeah. you've seen, now it's become a tool for the world to use. Yeah. And uh, I wanted... If we only have seven minutes, I want seven minutes of you. Like, no filler, no nothing, just you. Like, you're amazing, you have this amazing story, let's do it. And I went into it with that mindset of trying to get as much of them as possible in it, as much of that flavor, and I think they did a really, really incredible job. And one was a story of... um, art and struggle and rise Mm -hmm. as an artist and she did some live performances uh with her with her work and then another woman was um a recovered alcoholic who shared her story of struggle and her fight to earn her daughter back in her life Mm -hmm. and um the victory of ending up at her graduation you know and for me, her story really impacted me because I work with people who don't think that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and she proved that there is, yeah. and uh, and she was charming and sweet, and I just really fell in love with my two speakers and um, was so proud of them on how they performed that day, and it... I felt all grown up because I had already did it once, and I was so uh, into yeah. them, you, you know. You a veteran and, in that respect. Yeah, I mean, they called at the end. They're like, oh, wait, all the speakers come up on stage for the group photo, and I didn't realize that I was with them. I just had, I was, like, just up there with them. I'm like, Dave, the speakers, like, you're get not, off the stage. You're, you're, you're ne- not anymore. Yeah. Over here. That's it's like, so oh, my true. goodness. Uh, so, yeah, it was really powerful, and um, you should coach next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about having, instead of an individual coach, putting together a small team yeah. so that the speaker can identify with a couple different people, yeah, right? So, for example, if you and I were on a coaching team together, yeah. we could meet and bounce, and you would give your input, and yeah. sometimes too many cooks in the kitchen is a bad thing, but somebody might hit on a note. Yeah. that might bring out a little bit more and like they you only get that one shot for that thing yeah. with the hopes that they go on and do more with their work and uh in in, in the light but uh, i'm really proud of them and I, I look forward to um seeing their videos when they're yeah. released and uh, i'll share That's them awesome. on my personal site That's awesome. um well, you know to show the world get to come. i didn't get to come i think i was actually in the city that weekend it was my birthday weekend but yeah so i look forward to seeing them and yeah. seeing their work cool yeah and yeah i would be interested in in helping the coaching process cool yeah i'm kind of i'm hooked i think i want to uh, yeah. go back and do it again yeah that's a lot of what i do through the teacher trainings for yoga is just bringing them out right it's not just about learning how to teach a pose mm-hmm. but really teaching from 
are. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and letting them do it their way. Yeah, exactly. You like, know. here are the tools and here are the guidelines, but use your voice. Mm -hmm, that yes. you're the driver. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, you're in the car. Um, so is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap this up? I don't know. I feel like we talked about so much. We did. Um, just I always appreciate you giving people a voice um, to talk through things, and I, I like the follow, following up with you yeah. uh, because you kind of put me in check and made me touch back with a couple things that um, I was kind of thinking through but not being asked it, okay. and um, I think you do a really good job at that, and I don't know, I'd like to come back on again someday oh, yeah. and uh, and really look forward to following your journey. Um, and you're doing really great things. Thank you. Yeah, I've been enjoying having all these stories that we're sharing of everybody. And then, you know, people ask me, oh, what's that person doing? What's this person doing? And now I feel that we're in a good place of, you know, let's see. Let's follow up. Yeah, and so. I met someone who listened to your podcast because they, she's a veteran. And okay. she came up to me at one of our events. And uh, she's like, hey, I heard you on Phoebe's uh, podcast. <laughs> And I was awesome. like, oh, cool. Yeah, of course, great. I was raving about you. Aww. And uh, so um, I appreciate that people are listening to each other. Yeah. And um, that's that's the base of a lot of good when we begin listening to one another. Yeah. And um, you're providing a really great platform for that, Thank for people you. to hear what other people are going through and, and whatnot. Because you never know yeah. what kind of a day you're having when it hits. No, absolutely not. And... It's been an interesting experiment. I think you were one of the first people that I interviewed. I was I the second. Jessica the second. was the first. Oh, yes. And rightfully so, because yeah. she's amazing. I she listen to hers, amazing. and uh, I just love her. Yeah. Um, so tell her I said hi. I will. Tell her I, I have a phone conference with her and the other Nomad teachers tonight. Cool. So tell her I said hi. Yeah, give my love. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just been such a joy, and I just... We, this is probably, yeah, literally our second time sitting down talking to each other. Um, and it's just always really quite special to share that. And I feel honored that you feel comfortable to share share with me and share with whoever's on the other side of this. So thank you. Bring the microphone. I'll do it yeah. anytime. Yeah, literally in a car. <laughs> <laughs> in Anywhere. the middle of Beacon. Uh, so I appreciate that. Thank, thank you. you so much, David. Thanks.